to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. The Matildas have once again gotten a win. We absolutely love to see it. They were 3-1 winners over Denmark, had to come from behind, which I think makes it all the more better that they were able to pull that off. A first European win in about four years, which is absolutely massive. And obviously we were very under strength, which means there is heaps to talk about. So we're going to chat about all of it. But before we begin, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. I only say the Wurundjeri people because we are all in the same room for only the second time ever ever. in the history of this podcast. So you have me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington, Angela Christian-Wilkes. I am literally looking at all of their faces, which (laughs) is a joy and a delight, such a rarity. But um. So exciting. We have another Tillies win. Two wins from two games in the October window. We were talking about it the last time they did that was April against New Zealand. So Mm -hmm. it's been a little while since they had some back-to-back wins, but we're going to start things off with some you love to see it because that's what we like to do. So, Sam, what did you love to see? I loved to see so much from this game, but you cannot go past Katrina Gorey's goal. Oh, my God. Lord, what a banger. Like, we already sort of knew, I think, that Katrina Gorey had cemented her position in this midfield, but her being given the space to move forward proves how much of a weapon she mm. actually can be when she's given that license. And that just the, the single touch, the instinct to immediately look up and just have a crack. Like, I, I'm reflecting back on when she won Asian Player of the Year in 2015 and she was scoring long-distance bangers like that, left, right and centre. She's still got that in her. That's so exciting to see. It's so exciting to see it in the context of a Matilda's midfield as well because we need more attacking weapons going forward as well. So, yeah, Katrina Gorey's banger. Love to see it. It really does feel like she just copy and paste that goal over years. Like you said, I kept thinking back to I think twenty fourteen Asian the Cup, Asian, where Asian just player of the year. Yeah, so so good to see her do her thing, and we're very lucky we get to see her do her thing. But Harrow, what did you love to see? Apart from that goal, it's nice to, as you say, Sam, to see Katrina Gorey's radar on for the yeah. Matildas. It feels like she's been pinging them high, wide, everywhere. Yep. but. I love, well, obviously the other two goals, um, Caitlin Ford. Um, I love to see Caitlin Ford turning on her form for the Matildas, the way she does at club level. She's been in sensational form at Arsenal. And um, I think we got glimpses of that the other day against South Africa, where she probably could have scored about five, let's be honest. Yeah. Like she scored one but could have had a few more. Um, but she just the way she put it all together in this game. Um, obviously the first goal, the pressure reliever, was a deflected one, but it came off the back of a nice little jink and dropping the shoulder, which we know she does so well. But it was it's all about the second goal or the one that made it three one. That that wonderful bursting run from Kara Cooney Cross picked her out and extraordinary from Ford. The way she stopped the ball, turned, propped, and just lashed it home off half a step all in one go. Like you have to be an incredibly skillful player to do something like that. Like we know how physical she can be, we know how good she is at running with the ball with her f- running with the ball at feet. But to actually do that's proper striker work and mm. we know she's been playing as the nine with Viviana Miedema pushing up into ten a lot at Arsenal. Mm. Um and I know she wasn't playing necessarily as a striker here, but that was proper striker play. The way she that first, took that first touch, that touch held the ball, so good. Just lashed at home. We're, we're a much better team when Caitlin Ford is on song. A lot of people focus on Sam Kerr, but Ford is pretty up there as far as talent goes and as far as established players go. So, if the Matildas are going to go anywhere in this next sort of year, they need Caitlin Ford to be doing that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you'll have to see it. 
We had a couple of questions about Caitlin Ford as well, so we will get to them. Oh, also, we're not done yet. <laughs> We've got lots more Ford chats to come. Don't you worry, guys. Ford chat to come. I will just say as well. Ford the, focus. Yes, thank you. Very good. Um, <laughs> the um. The deflected goal as well. I was like, it's about time we got some fluky, arsy luck going our way. Yes. Because honestly, how many times have we had it against us? And for once, Sweden actually... goal is the one that sticks in my mind. <sighs> yep. You can yeah. just have it deflect and spin, and you can just hack your leg out and score a win. And ah, I get stuffed. Yeah. Uh, we've had enough of that. So we love to see that. But Angela, what did you love to see? Well, I love. Right now, to see all your beautiful faces. Oh, oh stop it! Wow. And also, <laughs> the coffee cup has is far post pink. Uh, yes. We will have video footage. I don't know. <laughs> if I just broke the fourth wall. That's what people are coming for. Yeah. Um. But in 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 the game, uh, as a victory fan, absolutely love to see Kara Cooney Cross and Alex Chidiak back in the mi- midfield together. Um, Chidiak in particular had, um a really great run in that second half. She came on and just brought such energy and intensity and that was um, important in both of the goals, well, Ford and Gorey's bangers. Um, the first one, so she, it was her pressure that forced the turnover for the ball to land at Gorey's feet and for her to be able to take that beautiful shot. And then the second goal, Morrissey pointed this out on Twitter, she did the work in terms of actually following up Ford's shot, mm. which is really important because you can't always count on those those ones going in. Um, and yeah, uh, she's definitely, there's been a lot of conversations around Chids and where she fits in with this squad and people advocating for her to have a bigger presence in this Tilly side and um, I know we'll get into what this might mean and symbolically and moving forward for Chids, but yeah, absolutely love to see that and yeah, as, as a victory fan, I was like, I knew she could do that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, anyway. I knew them before they were famous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Excuse me. Um, but that is a really good way to segue into some midfield chat. So we had heaps of questions about this. Should Chidiak be starting instead of coming off the bench? And I suppose the flip side to that is, should players like Emily Van, Emily Van Egmont have to earn their spot back? What is our best looking midfield? You said it before we started recording, Mary Fowler when she wasn't on the pitch our midfield looked good so who Mm. would like to have first crack at explaining the midfield and have we seen our best I suppose midfield in this window Harrow? Well we saw that it was a 4-4-2 this time around with um, obviously Cooney Cross and Gorry and then Chids came into the fray I think the energy is something we missed we talked about Mm. this in pods I think maybe after the Canada game Sam um, where and it was especially in regards to Emily Van Egmond so it kind of folds in here so much more energy with Cooney Cross and Gorey. And when Chidiak comes into the mix, it's just hustle, bustle, let's go. I think I've talked about this with people before. I think sometimes people think of an Alex Chidiak as a luxury player because she started as like a winger, started mm. as like this prodigiously talented teenager. But she's got such a great work rate. And I think when you look at the A-League women's season we just had, where Kara Cooney Cross was coming off um, a really, really good season as a as a midfielder for um for victory and then Chids came in in the last season effectively pushed her higher because she yeah. could be more influential and I really like the way as, as Angela said when they came in together and were in midfield together they complement each other I think we've seen this like especially if we're going to play with slower centre backs like even when Alana Kennedy's in she's not the quickest mm-hmm. and um we just saw obviously we had um Claire Polkinghorn and, and Ivy Lewick at centre backs which means we need to have some hustle and bustle and energy we've got such a a great attack but need to see in midfield, you're going to have players like Gorey who can create and put in beautiful balls. And to be fair, we've seen that Kara Cooney-Cross can do that as well and has the energy to get forward. 
this midfield needs energy. Yep. It needs hustle. Um, it needs players that are willing to track back. Um, and I will actually pose a, a question to you guys. Um, we saw in the USA friendlies last November, Claire Wheeler had been sort of on the periphery of the squad, got a couple of minutes here and there. I think we all knew she could play. We all mm. rated her. And then she put in that incredible tackle that led to the Kaya yes. Simon goal, right? Yep. Can the Alex Chidiak uh, pressure force turnover for the Katrina Gorey goal be her equivalent moment, right? Well, we know there's plenty of people who rate Alex Chidiak. She's clearly classy. She can clearly play. We know she can score goals when she gets involved. She's shown some glimpses, and I know we'll talk about it. People have said they want to see her start. But sometimes it feels like you almost need to have a moment to make everyone trust you, mm. like your coaching staff, your teammates, and not that people wouldn't have trusted her before because she's so hardworking, as I said before. But you have a little moment like that where things are running hot, the game is sort of hanging on a, a knife's edge and you're either losing or you're sort of just hanging on to a slender lead, whatever, it was even at the time. And Alex Chidiak does that bit of work, forces the turnover and allows Katrina Gorey the space to go on and score that banger. I mean, that could be the moment for me, personally, yep. where you go, and if you weren't already rating her, you go, this player's got to be in the mix, yep. whether that's as a starter or an impact player off the bench. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think a big reason, as you touched on, Harrow, is that she has really good chemistry with Kyra Cooney-Cross. I think she really deserves a lot of credit for that for this win. Mm. She did so much work in that midfield, and I think she was exactly the kind of replacement for Emily Van Egmond that the midfield was looking for because she has the vision and the technical ability to ping passes around, but she also has speed and she has the work ethic mm. off the ball to be able to do the defensive work, which is perhaps why Katrina Gorey had a little bit more freedom mm. as well to move a little bit further forward because you had Kara moving in and around, buzzing, being defensive, doing all that sort of work that Van Egmond in the Canada games we saw in particular wasn't really able to do. So, but I think in terms of Chidiak, yes, absolutely. That was her moment. And it's so nice to finally see it happen mm. because we we all rated her at the dub level, but she just needed to be able to show that sort of intensity at the international speed. Fitness helps as well, right? When yeah. you're not worried about your body. 100%. And you can feel like you belong there, right? Yeah, and her sort of starting to get momentum at Racing Louisville and the NWSL, mm. I think, really helps. But now having this moment, having this chemistry with these other midfielders as well, in a way that perhaps people didn't expect mm. because you think of a Matilda's midfielder and you think of largely players who are not there. So to see this happen over the course of just two games mm. is really, really encouraging. And you could feel it. You could feel the vibe was different in that midfield. You could feel that it was the intensity that Gustafsson has been talking about as what the Matildas want to be playing. So it's so good to see you there. And Angela, I really liked that you referenced the run that she made to follow up Caitlin Ford's mm. goal because if Ford hadn't shot there, Chidiak was making a run where Ford could have like dinked a little pass into mm. her and she probably could have finished it anyway. And that's a really smart number 10 and that's also something that I don't think Mary Fowler does very well. And she was so close to scoring against Canada, as remember, late in yeah. that game as well. She's really smart. She makes good runs in. She even managed to jag a header last season. <laughs> I think it was against Canberra, the one that basically ensured they got into the the top four and we all know what happened from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she works hard. I think that's what you need. You need some some hustle. And it's not just that they're just workhorses that can't do anything else. Like They're talented, they're skillful, yeah. they're smart players like Chidiak and Cooney Cross. I think it's been good for Cooney Cross to have to go and play well in Sweden as well. Mm. You're not getting gifted games. You're having to go and work and be in a different environment yeah. and having to bide her time. But it's interesting. I think the question it poses... There's been a lot of talk about, you know, the 23s, it's getting narrowed down. And I think there's a lot of talk about, oh, but should there be players from outside coming in? And it's like, 
well, maybe there is still a, lo- a case to be made for a lot of this 23, but maybe it's the wrong players, right? Mm. Like, I think the best we've seen this midfield function, I know there was the change in formation as well, is by backing in or having to give players a crack. Yeah. Give players that responsibility that weren't there. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, or sorry, a few weeks ago, Sam, that Emily Van Egmond, I think, is maybe going to have to become a luxury player Yeah. Um, off the bench. Like yep. a player that you can turn to when you need a goal or you need to unlock a, a pass. Jeez, oh, and well, but like, doesn't she have to do that? Like, does that make does that make sense? What I'm saying, like, can we rely on Emily Van Egwon to like if she is a luxury player that comes off the bench to be able to do those things? Because I mm. feel like, but uh, is she clutch enough basically to use a, a yeah, word that, that you, you yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think she's pretty. Question. I think she's clutch. I think you can look at um. For example, just late winners, late equalised. She can, but it also it also depends, I think, on her being played in the right position. Yes, has she to needs be to be played as a ten. I think you have to draw a line through Emily Van Egmond as a six, don't you? Yeah. Or even as a any sort of deep lying midfielder. Is over. You need energy. You yep. need hustle. You need run. You need players who can create, who can attack, who can do the hard running both ways. Who have, let's be honest, a bit of speed as well. Yes. That's something that you look at the way Kara Cooney cross burst forward ahead yep. of that Caitlin Ford goal, just leaving defenders in her wake yep. like they they were just back on their heels when yep. she was making those runs and she's not a big player no and that she's was also big towards and strong the end of the like game as well. yeah exactly it's really exciting that's mm. where she is actually at her best and that's why we saw I think for victory a few times late in the season she was used on the wing because she's got that speed mm. so if she brings those attributes into her game then that's really exciting mm. like and it just is something else I think Courtney Vine brings that as well up forward it's not just Ford having to make those runs or especially in the absence of Ellie Carpenter right it's not just Ford having to make those runs. It's not just Sam Kerr having all the responsibility. And I know we'll get into this, but I think energy is something that is really needed. And it's not just like pace and power, P&P sort of mm. football, as some people like to pull out. It's, it's something that you genuinely need at the top level of football. Mm. You, you can't have someone cruising around because if you turn the ball over, then you're cooked, right? Yep. Because everyone else has that work rate. Everyone else has that energy. Yep. And yeah. So we've obviously lauded the midfield that was there, but as we've kind of allu- uh, as we've kind of alluded to, there are a lot more players in this midfield who weren't starting. So what if put yourself in Tony's shoes? What do you do with the Van Eggs? What do you do with the Yollop? What do you do with the Lagazzo who's coming back into form? How do you fit all these players in? Can you fit all these players in? Do we have to kind of reinvent the entire wheel to make this work or are there going to be people who are obviously good players that aren't making this starting lineup basically well one thing that starts is that like it's going to be very difficult for Kai Simon I think we all know that to mm. make her way back if she pulls it off the nine month recovery and finds form and gets picked for a while, like great for her that would be extraordinary mm. but that's a, a what if and the other one is like Annalise Keller Knight lurking on the fringes. None of this is bad, by the way. No, it's good no, to force players to yeah. to earn their spots, right? Yeah. Like to actually get runs on the board. And I think that's maybe what people have been questioning is why is a, I don't know, a Van Egmond or you'd say a Yollop starting at left back. And that was out of necessity when Steph Catley was injured, right? Mm. I think there's always going to be room for players like a, if they're fit, a Yollop or a Legazzo, especially because they're versatile. Yep. Like Legazzo can play anywhere on a wing, can run all day. Yelp's very similar, great forward runs. It's good to have these options, but I think it's fantastic that players like Chidiak and, uh, well, you just talked about Cooney Cross as well. We knew Gorry was clearly pretty mm. well cemented. 
wasn't just about performing against South Africa. They performed in the hard game Yeah. in this, right? Yep. They performed against Denmark. They mm. did what they needed to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good thing if you're trying to fit good players in and you might have to make some hard calls. I would like to see hard calls be made, though, I think, mm. yeah. in terms of... Yeah, I, I, I appreciate, I think, in terms of the starting lineups for these two friendlies, it seemed to reflect, at least as far as I can tell, the minutes that players are putting in at club level, bar Courtney Vine, who is kind of like an outlier to that and has had played really well both games, in my opinion. But I think that feel like that's rewarding to see. Um, and I think, yeah, if I would be a little bit disappointed if we go into, say, you know, Emily Van Egmond is back um, for the Sweden and, and Thailand friendlies and kind of just gets popped back in. Mm. I think that that level of competition is really important um, and should be lent into. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. This, this, was the, this is the purpose of all mm. this, right? Like, we, one of Tony Gustafsson's jobs as a head coach is to try and deepen our player pool. And by virtue of having, let's face it, some pretty mistimed injuries, his, his hand has been forced and it's been forced in a good way. Mm. Like, we've discovered some diamonds in the rough here mm. and he's given debuts to more players than pretty much any head coach since Tom Samani a decade ago. And we're starting to see the fruits of that. And, you know, it's not just Chids and Kyra who are a good example of that, but Charlie Grant. God, what a ripper window she's had, you know? Like, another really good example of a player who's had to step up and when she's given that opportunity, she meets those expectations. I think progress doesn't always have to be deliberate. It should. And I think, to be honest, coaches probably should have been looking at what options players like the Chidiak, Gori, yeah. combinations, the Kara Cooney cross, Gori. These these things should have been looked at already, let's be honest, because we saw a couple of windows ago that the, the Van Egmond Gori midfield wasn't working, right? I think it should have been sorted earlier. But circumstance has, you know, forced, as you say, Sam, forced hands and it's it's led to some really good outcomes. And actually, you know, people have talked up some of these players and they've got a chance to shine and show what they can do. You can take it one way. You either go, oh, yeah, I'm only getting a shot because I'm injured and you flop. Or you take it, yes, by the scruff of the neck. With <laughs> hands. There it is. You take a game by the scruff of the neck. You take your moments. You make them count. And that's what those players have done. And mm. Charlie Grant's done that as well. I will say, I've seen a few people go, well, we're going to have some headaches when Ellie Carpenter comes. If Ellie Carpenter's fit, she's one of the best right-backs yeah. in the world. Yeah. It's the same with uh, Steph Catley's one of the best left-backs in the world. Like, Charlie Grant is so exciting because it also gives you that flexibility if, you know, they want to, say, play back three. We saw her do a bit of that in that Spain-Portugal window as well. She can play on the right. She works really hard, really industrious, has that wonderful bit of speed. Mm. Ellie is on another level, but it's really encouraging to see what Charlie Grant's done. And... She deserves credit for going and doing the right thing, which was going and getting a loan move to yeah. Vitzia to get playing time. Because I think for a while there, you're looking at players and you're going, there's one player who keeps getting picked for these squads and they're not getting any minutes because she wasn't in the A-League women at that point. She'd just been sitting on Rosengard's bench. Mm. She's got the move away. She's getting minutes. She's playing every week. And now she's starting to build confidence with the Matildas as well. And I think that's a, a really exciting thing. I was just going to say, are we... Are there any questions about Tegan Micah? I feel like it's been there were no questions about Tegan Micah. You can Micah, talk about her though. But if you would like to, please, the floor is yours. Well, I'm ju- I was just happy to see her play two 90 minute games, and yeah. that was kind of the where some I think even around the rewarding club level performances with national team starts was good. Um, yeah, and 
Yeah, I don't know. I'll just like it. Double thumbs up. Yeah, um, it's interesting you mentioned that, actually, because Gustafsson was asked about this pre-window, and uh, he was asked specifically a question about goalkeepers and whether he's going to start to narrow down goalkeepers. And he did say that these were the games where he wanted to try and figure out who was going to be the number one. And so it's like, based on these two performances, I thought Tegan Micah was excellent. And she has been excellent for a long time, Agreed. but there's always been a little bit of a question mark over certain things, I think, particularly given at that point Lydia Williams was still in the conversation, but she doesn't seem to be now, especially because she's injured, whereas Mackenzie Arnold, clanger prone. We always talk about that. So, like, Micah, I thought was really, like, a good choice, a justified mm. choice for this window, and I think going forward she has more than sort of solidified her spot as the number one goalkeeper. I agree, Sam. I spoke to her media op before these two games and I was like, come on, Tegan. Is it, is it yeah. your time? Are you going to... And, you know, she was very diplomatic. Like, you've got to be patient. you got to do the right things. I'm loving my time at club level. I play with really good players and getting exposed to all these things. She's going to be playing Champions League mm. <laughs> like the Camp Nou soon. Like, she's going to be playing against Barcelona. She'll be playing against um, so many top players and... These experiences will only hold her in good stead, but she was such a cool head under pressure yeah. at the Olympics. I think we all thought she was going to kick on from there. And I know I think she had a concussion and a bit of an injury concern. And Lydia Williams, to her credit, has played well for the Matildas when she's come in. But I think it's exactly what Angela said. You reward the player who's doing really well at club level. She's starting every week. She's impressing. She's in top of the table team in, in Sweden. And I think she's only going to get better. And you just feel assured and confident when she is there and I'm sure it would have helped her as well as much as it's maybe not our ideal back four having experienced heads like Claire Polkinghorne, Steph Catley, Ivy Lewick Mm. around helps and you can build that chemistry you know you can build that assertiveness I I mean she has to be the answer going forward she's I mean she's the future right she absolutely is but I will say that I do feel for Lydia Williams because we know what she's capable of she has been excellent every time she has been tasked with the gloves she made the move away from Arsenal you assume well you not assume you know to get those minutes that she wasn't getting at Arsenal and then PSG go and sign Sarah Bahati so she's basically yeah. been relegated to the bench again so it does feel like a really rough trot for Lids but we know that she still can perform mm. um, when called upon but I suppose she's not getting uh, game time at club level for one reason and Angela you mentioned someone else who isn't getting game time at club level because she's not in season and it's Courtney Vine which is how I'm segueing into yes. the strike chat oh, the I worked very chat. hard with that one wow. <laughs> wow 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 I made it work I made it work and I will stand by this but basically we had a lot of questions you obviously hyped up Caitlin Ford a lot so we had a lot of questions about How important is she going to be for the World Cup? Someone very daringly asked, is Caitlin Ford a more important player for the Matildas than Sam Kerr? People were asking, what's the plan B for the left-wing position? So we had a a different formation as well. We had the Mm 4-4-2. So what did we like about the strike uh, lineup that was presented? Would we change anything? Or is this it? Is this what we like to see? Mm. Had all our weapons. I love that. Yeah. Throw all your weapons in there. Yeah. Like Courtney Vine played really well and I was looking um, at pre- when I was previewing this game right and you go, well Sam Kerr is obviously coming back in. Yeah. Um, so if you had, if you obviously stuck with a 4-3-3 then you have to drop one of Ford or, or Vine or Razzo, mm. right? And Razzo wasn't as standout a game the other day as the others but you get the impression they want to keep her in there. You want to get her building a bit of momentum because she's missed a couple of windows through injury and those sorts of things. I loved it. I thought that was great. Like, yep. Caitlin Ford out wide, Razzo out wide and the playing uh, Vine off Kerr as well together. It was funny, I was 
because I said when I was previewing this, I was digging around. I was like, oh, what quotes can I use? And I spoke to Courtney Vine at the A-League's launch, right? And I was asking her, you know, it was, this was before she'd scored her goal, so we were talking about this, all that sort of stuff. And I was like, do you feel like you're getting the confidence and the chemistry with players like Sam Kerr? And she's like, yeah, I've wanted to play with Sam Kerr for a long time. I feel like we could collab really well. Oh. <laughs> we could have some great collabs. And I was like, Sam Kerr fit Courtney Vine. <laughs> That's me. That's not Courtney saying that bit. We're but making like, that meme, though. There's yeah. going to be an album cover. <laughs> we can have some great collabs. And I was like, you know, I actually reckon you could. And she was saying that yeah, we saw that goal, because I was asking her about that goal um, against Canada that Mary Fowler scored, where it was a Kerr-Vine build-up, right? And we talked so much about how how good it is when you can have Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford playing close together because they can, you know, they know each other's game so well. They can bounce off each other. But I think Vine is a really nice compliment to have around Kerr. It takes yeah. a bit of pressure off. I think having the four attackers, there's less isolation. There's so much speed. And then especially when you mentioned Gorry um, can, you know, obviously score long-range goals. Cooney Cross, and I don't think she scored yet for the Matildas, and Chidiak also know how to find the back of the net. So there's, there's players who are all sorts of influential. And I think it reduces our reliance on our fullbacks mm. because over the last couple of years we've been very reliant on Catley and Carpenter getting forward and putting in bombs. So rare to see Steph Catley beaten, by the way, that opening goal against Denmark. You're like, if if that's the goal you cop, they don't happen very often, mm. like by Steph Catley getting overloaded. But yeah, I, I think it was great. I really liked it. I like it. Um, and I think this is one of the things about Sam Kerr I was saying to you guys pre-record is she didn't score, but what I love about her is how much she celebrated all of those goals. Yeah. She's a winner, right? We've talked about this. She could score a hat-trick, but if the Matildas lose, she's shattered. She's filthy. She doesn't want a bar of it. But, you know, she missed probably a sitter by her standards in the second minute yep. overnight. Didn't score. Had some chances. But the way she celebrated all her teammates' goals would just showed how much it's about the team for her, yeah. right? And it's about team success and it's about winning. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think anything that reduces that reliance on Kerr is a good thing. And that's Caitlin Ford stepping up. And I'm not going to say she's more important than Sam Kerr, but structurally, she's right up there. Mm. Um, and when she plays well, play better. But yeah, I, I, I really liked it. And Hayley Razzo will have a moment. You hear it talked about in, in footy and we've got the great... Matt Walsh helping us out here. Like, you see footballers talk about the lick of the ice cream, which is like sometimes you're the one who is getting the goals, um, but other times, you're the, other times you're the one that's assisting or playing the role or doing the dummy runs. Sometimes you get the scoreboard credit and the goals. Other times you're doing the other bits that allow your teammates to thrive. Mm. And I thought by having those different weapons in there, and Sam Kerr and Hayley Razo were probably the ones playing that selfless role, it allows your other teammates to thrive. It allows other people to get on the scoreboard. So, yeah. I, I really liked it. I think that's a important bit of progress because there's one thing that I think has really stood out when the Matildas have played badly, Sam Kerr looking isolated. It's not getting that potency that such a well, literally potent front three or four should be able to deliver. So anything that reduces the reliance on Sam Kerr and you know creates more goals, it's, it's a winner for me. The other thing that I really liked about it was that it was a different formation and it worked. Yes. You know, like 4-3-3 has become so institutionalised in football that to see us move to a, a 4-4-2 and to have that click quite quickly and have mm. exactly the kinds of players you need for that formation was really encouraging. I This was absolutely Courtney Vine's window for me. Mm. I thought she had a ripping two games. She has, I think, cemented her spot as well in this 23. She's an impact player mm -hmm. if she needs to be. She has the chemistry with Sam Kerr. She can play as a nine. She can play as a winger. And she can also drop and be a little bit more creative and a little bit trickier as well. And I think that was probably the purpose of bringing her into this window to see if she could potentially do that. And 
the way in which she combined with Sam Kerr in mm. lots of ways off the ball was also something that really impressed me because we know that she's great on it. We know that she can score goals. We know that she can assist them. But seeing her defensive work, you know, Tony talks talks about how like one of Sam Kerr's biggest attributes that people don't appreciate is her defensive work, the running that she does. Clearance off the, off ball. the line, though. Clearance tonight, off Sam. the ball. Exactly. So Courtney Vine, I think, started to display some of those qualities mm. as well, doing the hard running, doing the closing down, doing the pressing, doing all of that stuff that doesn't necessarily get in the spotlight, but that contributes so much to what everyone else does around her. I think people forget she's she's 24 now. She's not a baby. Yeah. She's not a teenager. Like, you know, she's grown into her body. She's confident. She's had a couple of really good seasons of senior football. It was funny. I was like, oh, you, you know, you moved around a bit getting game time. She's like, yeah, I also just kind of wanted to move to different places and have a good time. <laughs> I was like, yes, but also your football. Um, but she's... <laughs> She's grown up. She's like she's ready. Yeah. She's a player who's playing well, who's played well at club level for a couple of seasons. And now, you know, she's got the weight of a goal off her back as well. She should only get better, right? Mm. Yes. Well, is there a surely there's a move on the cards for her at some stage? There's got to be. She said she was pretty happy in the A-League women for now because I think oh, the, the me- well I think the messaging is not about you Courtney it's about me I think it's got to be the right move right yeah it's got to be the right move because the last thing that she needs is and I think this is the messaging that is now starting to flow through especially with the extension of the A-League women is mm. you're better off playing every week mm. in this league even if you probably should be in a better league than making the wrong move and sitting on the bench yep. I think that's the one thing that a lot of players have been able to take out of the and albeit in COVID years where it was a bit more difficult it was harder for players to settle if you're going to make a move overseas you've got to make the right one so you've yeah. got to be you know playing every week at Hammerby like a Kara Cooney Cross Courtney Nevin that's great for them or you've got to be like the girls that are doing really well in England but you can't be you know we see players like Emma Checker Jenna McCormick had really tough first you know or moves over to Europe a couple of years back mm. you need to have things go away or even look at Lydia Williams who's played at big clubs but has barely played like yeah. It's it's those sorts of decisions, and I'm sure we'll see a few of these players who are playing in Scandinavia or making may move to the NWSL have stints back in the A League Women again mm. over this summer. And, you know, and we'll see a Chloe Lagarza obviously try and build her form there. But yeah, if she makes, it, you know, she can make an impact in plenty of leagues. Courtney Vines is making the right move, right? Yeah, I think the the game time though is the most important thing, and I think especially considering where we are in the timeline to twenty twenty three, that's the most important thing. So the fact that she will have the entire A League women's season, you assume guaranteed starter for Sydney FC, it's it's good stuff for Vine. But um, want to kind of pivot a little bit to zoom out. Um, in our preview pod, we talked about how uh, Denmark was. Tony's third game in charge back in June 2021 and we said that this would be kind of a really good indicator of how much progress we've actually made under test. Tony. Yeah. Exactly. It's the barometer game. So all the caveats aside which people, you know, made sure to mention on um Twitter and other social media that it wasn't a full strength Denmark, it wasn't a full strength Matildas. What did we learn like zooming out, I suppose about the Matildas progress from June 2021 to now October 2022? I think the biggest thing, we've sort of already threaded it throughout this whole conversation, is that we've proved that we have the depth of players now. We've proved that we have players who can step up into these roles and perform and that they can combine with one another and they can get results against a good team. That was something that I don't think we felt in the first Denmark game. We felt very mm. threadbare. We felt like, oh my God, if it's not these people, then who who is it? Um, but that's 
sort of the work that's been happening beneath the surface of all of these friendlies, right, is bringing players into camp constantly. Even if we don't see them getting appearances in friendlies, we, they're training, they're getting up to speed, they're learning tactics, they're combining with players elsewhere, they're you know doing all the stuff, all the foundation work that you need to do before you're actually able to hit that next level. And I feel like this was the next level game for a lot of those players who've been sort of circulated in and around Matilda's camp over the last two years, basically. Um, so yeah, so this is like this is great. I'm super encouraged by this whole window, and I hope that we can take the momentum into the next one, which is going to be probably the mm. biggest test of the lot against Sweden, um, because they are, you know, we'll probably compare that performance against maybe what we saw in the Olympics, mm. and then going even further back into one of the first friendlies as well. So yeah, that'll be a really curious window, and it'll be interesting to see the kinds of players that are drawn upon as well, because this has been a really standout window for a couple of players mm. who we didn't necessarily think would be starters prior to this, but now they've actually put their hands up. So let's see what happens. It's kind of, as you say, Sam, it's been threaded through the discussion. I think it's maybe the depth is there and also maybe maybe the players who people thought were the depth players are the ones who are yeah. stepping up to the plate and maybe it's going to be that bit of a transformation over these next few months. Football moves fast, whether you're on the ascent or on the decline. Yeah. And that's what I think is going to be really interesting to watch over the next couple of windows. Does Alex Chidiak move into a starting role? Um, do we see that Cooney Cross and Gorry combination happen? Does Alana Kennedy slot back in straight next to Claire Polkinghorne. Probably wouldn't surprise me because, you know, Ivy Luke probably needs some breaks as well. Yeah. And Alana Kennedy and Claire Polkinghorne, I think, is our best centre-back combination at the end of the day. But I think these players, like you mentioned Vine, we talked about Cooney Cross, we talked about Chidiak. Like, they're the ones making statements. And I think if maybe we learn in the Canada window that some players were maybe... Not, I don't want to say not up to it because that's not fair, that were maybe not in the right form or shouldn't have been starting or in, say, a Tamiki Yollop's case, got put it left back out of necessity, then the the question is, can some of those players who've come in make these roles their own and do they deserve first tilted at come this Sweden game? Because let's be brutally honest, what we saw against Denmark from those players who are fringe players is a lot better than what we saw for big periods of those Canada games with established starters, right? Mm-hmm. So... I think that's the big question that's going to hang over them. And yeah, maybe injuries and forced absences may have forced their hand, but you can look at the evidence now and you go, these players, if they come in and they train well next winter, they deserve first crack. So I'm going to be curious as to who won't be returning next window mm. as well. Um, and if these this two sets of friendlies will kind of take stock into take that into consideration I suppose because yeah I, I I think with this game in particular you spoke to it Sam like it felt like there was a style of football being played and you could like I could interpret that at 3am with like <laughs> you know what I mean and if I can do that then it's pretty clear so I think in and there's players I won't bring up I feel like I'm bullying her but like Larissa Crummer for example or Emily Gilnick I feel like they've been given the chances to step up and haven't necessarily done so so do you are they showing up in camp do they come back and um continue to push for minutes or like I'm intrigued as to what happens there Mm. um because I suppose as well there's a lot of players who are probably 
itching to have that moment for themselves as well like mm. just comes to mind that Remy Simpson I think is someone mm. who would really be looking to prove herself um, again after getting minutes at the Asian Cup and like so it's, that's kind of where I'm interested as well um, and versatility is an, another kind of concern I guess because we looked so much better with Catley yeah. um, and so and as you mentioned Yallop was starting at left back like plugging those gaps when they come up in other areas of the field is um press pressing issue but um yeah I don't know it's um it's I'm I'm suspicious though I'm like I'm feeling positive but the vibes were rancid after the kind of the game so I'm like I don't want to get whiplash were atrocious after the Canada game. I will say the Tony Gustafson press conference, oh, it yeah. felt funeralish yeah, in that room. It was not, it was not fun. No bueno. Really no bueno. But I, I like that you mentioned the style of play point, sorry, because I really do feel like people have been asking for ages now and it's been a big criticism of Tony. What is this Matilda's team meant to look like? What mm. is the style of play they're meant to be producing on this pitch? And I think we absolutely saw it. We, you know, didn't see them panic after conceding another early goal. We hope that that bit gets sorted out soon because um, not good for anyone's anxiety, basically. But didn't drop their heads, continued to stick to the principles, no panicked long balls. I feel like our combination play has really improved and come on in leaps and bounds. And it's all because of those combinations, whether it be your Kerrs, your Vines, your Ford coming into form, Gorry, Cooney Cross, like every it's working Mm. it's looking like what we've been promised Mm. and so obviously now it's about continuing to back that up continuing to evolve and grow and improve but I feel like this was really the first time where um we got to see what Tony has been telling us he's been seeing but in the kind of biggest um example and biggest sample size if that makes sense not to be a cynic but maybe it was just the players having the right players like you play this game style better when you've not got certain players hoofing long balls when they shouldn't have been or, you know, reverting to, to panic stations. Like, players like Gorry, Cooney Cross, Chidiak love to have the ball at their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Lewick and Polkinghorne, like, I think we kick this combination a bit when things go wrong. They they play very well yeah. against Denmark. Yeah. Composure, that's what we love to see. As you say, these are the signs that we actually saw some style coming through and, yeah, would have liked to have seen this a lot earlier. But, yeah, I think it flows back to, again, I'm going to sound like I'm just hammering on about the same thing, the right players. Yeah. And I think we're starting to get glimpses of that, Sam. I wonder if part of it also is the formation. Yes. Mm. You know, I feel like this formation was really valuable in that way because it allowed the kinds of players to do the kinds of things that we've always wanted them to do. Maximised weapons, right? Exactly, yeah. Using the structure to get the most out of the players that you've got. And I feel like this, like everything was just in harmony in this particular game in that sense. Playing this 4-4-2, allowing our attacking weapons to be in positions to do that sort of thing. And as you mentioned earlier, Harrow, not over-relying on fullbacks because that's something that we've been caught out on quite a bit. When we do have a Catley and a Carpenter bombing forward, all of a sudden our defence becomes very vulnerable. Cross to Sam Kerr and then three of them are on it and it bobbles out and we get and, done on the and counter. And we get done on the counter, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this kind of structure <laughs> sort of mitigates for that. You know, mm-hmm. We have the kinds of players who are able to um, sort of yeah be a little bit more conservative but also more dynamic and, and able to create... Um, sort of transitions in play and and choreographed moves and combinations with others that we haven't really seen for a while. And maybe that's the reason why it felt so lovely. Oh, I had a great stat from my colleague, Glenn Moore at AAP. We, we, we were talking about the 
hadn't won in Europe four years, I think it was. First win um, against a European team on their home deck since beating France in 2013. Bloody hell. Yeah, hell, way to make us wait. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, many of these players were even part of the material? Like, not the, many. No, this not many. There's no is, chance. Yeah. Like, Polk's probably, because she's, she's been around And they would have been sort of 16, 17. Yeah, you know? a lot of babies. Yeah. All right. What a snap. Um, I just wanted to point out as well, I think it's interesting. So I, I begin to get your thoughts, whether you thought Denmark provided the sort of challenge that you were expecting, if you're expecting them to provide a challenge. But also, um, I don't know if we can claim this as a thump in, but I want to. But like Denmark, their recent results and also like kind of how they, the what I saw of them at mm. the Euros was like, fine, you know, but like then they don't have oomph and they, I guess, sort of, yeah, concede sloppy goals and it was just interesting to see us like win comprehensively mm. um and yeah of course there was that RC goal but then backing that up with two bangers yeah so I love to see that but um yeah so it's interesting to have such a good win over a team that usually is either winning like one nil or losing one nil that mm. that kind of dynamic but yeah I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have thoughts on how they how they did I was a little bit underwhelmed, to be honest. And I think maybe one of the reasons why Denmark feels a little bit like this is because Penilla Hardo is really out of form. And usually with this Denmark team, she is the absolute focal point. She has so much goes through her all the time. And the fact that she was not, she hasn't been playing for Chelsea. She She's had an injury as well, right? Had coming off injury. She only came on as, as a sub in this game as well. Didn't really do a whole amount when she was there. That's perhaps one of the reasons why, and this is like the extreme end maybe of what happens when you do become really over-reliant mm. on a particular player. Mm. When they're not there, all of a sudden things just do not click and you don't have the sort of structure and and habits to be able to come up with alternatives. So, yeah, I thought they would pose a more difficult challenge, but at the same time, like, this was these were our quote-unquote bench players. So, like, the fact that we pretty comprehensively beat a Denmark team that, yeah, they weren't at full strength either, but this is also still Denmark, you know, mm. it's no, they're no pushovers. That's what's more encouraging to me. I think it's like it's about not car- getting carried away, right? Like mm. I think yeah. Sweden's going to give a much better litmus test of where we're at, but it's an important turnaround. There wasn't, you know, 15 minutes of madness that where we conceded three goals, including two own goals, like... <laughs> It's much better. Like, it's, it's an improvement. I think that's what we needed to see. It was a comprehensive win. They, as Marissa said, they didn't drop their heads. They went down a goal, rallied, and it was one. It could have so easily been one of those games where it's chance after chance, none of them go in, and then you cop a second of, we saw, you know, the clearance off the line. We saw the one that hit the hit the bar as well from Denmark. It so easily could have gone the other way. But I think it was an important step. Like, back-to-back wins... Win over a good team, top 20 in the world team. We talked about a European team. Important progress, important step. Takes pressure, takes a bit of pressure off the players. Take, obviously takes some pressure off the coach as well. Mm. It should be, a, you'd hope, a slightly more relaxed, I think is the word I want to say, environment coming into November. And you look at it, it's a stepping stone. They, I think they're coming from a, a decent way back after mm. some of these previous windows, but it was an important stepping stone. And yeah, it's important. I think it's important not to lose perspective, but it was still an important win. Some lovely goals. Yeah. That's um, what we wanted to see as well. We wanted to see lovely goals. Lovely link-up play. Yeah. Good goals as well. Good no? goals. 
won Arsenal a one, of goals. but it was, still came off the back of a really. I nice mean, that's move. part of a variety. You need to have an, an Arsenal goal in a. And they were, and they were from open play. They weren't from yes. set pieces. I think that's really important. I think mm. that's what we were talking about in terms of potency and making the most of of these attackers. So yeah, it's an important step forward. Like we'll, you know, we'll see if it carries on in the game against Sweden, but certainly plenty to build on. I think that's what it is. It's we can hold the idea that we're not going to win the World Cup based off a win against South Africa and a win against Denmark. But we can also be really excited that we beat South Africa and beat Denmark and played good football. Like, mm. we can hold these Sorry, two I ideas. Don't, no, I don't do <laughs> no. did, did you know you can hold two thoughts at the same time? Not for me, no. Have you considered juggling this <laughs> No, I agree. But, yes. No, and that's what it is, because I feel like... Um, you know, Twitter sometimes uh, makes us go very black and white. It's either this or it's nothing, but we can have two thoughts simultaneously, yeah. both brain cells working overtime. Um, brain cells have probably worked a bit too much now, I reckon. But honestly, yeah, uh, the 3am start doesn't help, but any final thoughts on this window? No injuries, right? No injuries! Uh, that's, that's a good result. Mm-hmm. I was going to swear, but I'm not. It's a hell Yeah. <laughs> Not it's an F, yeah. <laughs> the heck yeah. I, like the, I, I just like that um, a lot of the, the majority of the players can go back to their clubs, try and maintain some form. Hopefully Caitlin Ford keeps on firing and go into this next window, see where it lands. And then after that, I'm quite excited because the A-League women will start mm. and I think we'll see some players. Carly Rossbacken is one that mm. has jumped into my mind as mm-hmm. an example of players who will want to step up, show what they can do. And I think it's yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting. So Yeah, I'm just stoked for the players. Because mm. you really got the sense after those Canada games that they were like down in the dumps. down in the dumps. Like they were getting so frustrated, they were getting so like just inhibited. They just felt like they like nothing they did was working. And this was exactly the kind of window that they needed. It came at exactly the time that they needed it to. And this performance against Denmark was a perfect springboard in terms of the confidence of so many of them because they are going to go back to clubs now knowing that they can do this. And that means that they're going to hit their clubs and just continue to rocket ahead. So bring on Sweden, I say. I think this will be a good sort of maybe a reset moment for Mary Fowler, who played mm. really well in those Canada games, probably had a more difficult window, got overlooked for starting in this game, obviously came off the bench. Um, in terms of just going back to club level, getting some form, not having the pressure, I think, straight away. You know, players, especially young players, are going to have ups and downs. Um, and I think this was this was a really good window for Courtney Vine. It was probably a slightly tough one for Mary Phelps. Um, but, yeah, I think that'll be a, a good thing to watch as well. So hopefully she can come into the next camp refreshed and we can see where she can sort of fit in mm. to, this, to this team. And, again, if it's an exciting player like that, having to sort of find a way to make things work, would she end up as that second striker alongside Sam Kerr at some point? You don't know. So I'm, I'm quite excited to see where that goes next after she sort of didn't fit into this window. Um, I just re- you're like Carly Rossbach and I was like, the ADHD out of sight, out of mind thing is so true. <laughs> like I was, that, I was thinking when we were talking about Emily Van Egmont, I was like, I forgot that she existed during the game. Like it didn't even, which is... I guess you can rewind to listen to all that chat. But I um, I also wanted to point out, <laughs> it just made me laugh, the um, Denmark's Football Federation commented on our like match um, score Instagram post. That's the word that I'm looking for. Our social media post. And they're like, we do not like the result, but well done. <laughs> See you next year at the FIFA Women's World Cup. Um, which is quite, uh, that tickled me. Um, and fair enough. 
And also a shout out to the one Tilly's fan, apparently, who was yeah, in the crowd and just living his flag, best life. Yeah. His name was Matt, I think, we saw on Twitter. In a Matilda's jersey as well, uh, not and just, just a standard Australia jersey. Just getting both both fists up in the yes. air, like living his best shout life. Shout out to and friends of Hayley, 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 Hayley Razzo poster as well. Mm-hmm. Like, a, Yeah, just so much going on. I loved so that for him. And he get, got to enjoy being a party of one on And being yeah, a national a television as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah good on How him. good. It was hilarious. We absolutely loved to see it. So shout out to Matt. But I think that is that is us done for today. So first and foremost, a big thank you to Matt and Alex who are helping us in the ESPN studios Woo-hoo. here in Melbourne. Uh, not that Matt and Alex, different Matt and Alex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, as always, remember, all of our stuff is on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google, all the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, remember you can subscribe and leave a review if you think it's nice and you want to say nice things about us. Um, if you want to chat, we are at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Tillies and Sayers. <laughs> oh no.